jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out So a lot can happen in a week off. We take a week off and the world of <laughs> horror falls apart. It crumbles into into a feta-like dust medley, much like the feta I've been eating all week. Oh, you're into feta this week? I feta is the cheese of the week, Stacy. Wow. You know, you have your smoked gouda week, you have your sharp cheddar week. Yeah. You have your string cheese week. Why was the string cheese moist? I, uh, you take it out of the package and it's like a little wet. Ooh, all right. That's the way I like it. Me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> but alas, I went from the wet string cheese to... <laughs> That's how you know you're doing your job. <laughs> <laughs> Open that wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and now I have settled on the crumbly feta. I see. I'm having it, a brie week myself. I'm oh, very, very are fancy. You, are you baking it? No, I'm just eating it, man. Mm-mm. I don't have the time to bake it. I always exactly. look at it. It says, it says, put it on the tray, stick it in the oven, melty melt in your mouth. But then I never do that because it's like, but it's brie. It's right there. I should just eat it. Exactly. That's how I feel about most cheeses. Yeah, just eat them. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy Reagan um, did the campaign. Just eat them? Just eat them. Yeah. Mm. She got sued by Nike. <laughs> Your astrologer didn't see that one coming, did you, Nancy? <laughs> fun fact, that astrologer's name is Gene Dixon. That's not a fun fact. I just <laughs> wanted television's I Gene Dixon. Ju- I just wanted to let you know that I knew the astrologer's name. <laughs> so what happened between you and Gene Dixon in the elevator? <laughs> or well... at the grocery store, Stacey? <laughs> oh boy yeah we took a week off uh because i was exhausted and tired of hearing myself talk so So much columbo so much columbo to get through i got through a whole one episode good job Um, i know i bought that (laughs) giant batman tv series box set and i watched like the the um shelly winters episode Yeah, I gotta stop because it's like, you know, I get the Columbo, I watch one episode and I'm like, now I'm in the mood for the 1930s Hal Roach comedy stylings of Thelma Todd and Patsy Kelly. I better get I better get those DVDs. It's a hoot. It's a real hoot nanny. Uh... <laughs> so we Kelly. each we each watched one episode of television in the time off. Yeah, and but let me tell you, for the last few days, though, I've been um, well exhausted by the discourse, I will say, and yet unable to look away from the discourse mostly contained to horror twitter. Discourse is, is, is an incredibly a, strong word. It's 
very generous. Discourse implies much more critical thought and analysis. <laughs> That's true. It's a very generous term, but... <laughs> You're so giving. Look at how giving you are. That's what everyone always says about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But and now I find myself more exhausted than ever. We're back, and uh, I just, I feel comatose. Um, yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of hubbub in the horror community as of late. If you are blissfully unaware, I say turn this off now. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. (laughs) Dan Savage lied. (laughs) Yeah, go watch Columbo, maybe, or Batman 1966. Listen, the episode with Shelley Winters, she's Ma Parker, she has an Uzi, and at one point she goes undercover in the nursing home to get away from Batman, and when Batman goes to that nursing home and sees her, her wheelchair has a jetpack on the back, and it rockets her down the hallway, it, she doesn't explode out the end of the wall to get away. She just hits the wall and falls out of the chair. <laughs> it's amazing. So wow. watch it. That Right there, you already had a better time than anything we can unfold in front of you. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was a Batman from that era where Robin would say, Suffer in Sappho! <laughs> Right, that would have been a good one if, like, it was a lesbian villain or something. Yeah, yeah, like a Grecian uh, <laughs> yeah. villain. <laughs> yeah. And she just makes a sapphic poetry pun. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take me for, Batman? A liar? <laughs> oh, wow. Because Sappho is a musician. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And then two academics go, ho, ho, <laughs> and the show's canceled. <laughs> um okay well so on twitter uh there was a let's say a call out of horror host joe bob briggs Mm -hmm. Uh, esteemed horror host host of the last drive-in on shutter and we uh, many of us uh came of age with him a la monster vision on tnt i know i did sure he's been around forever he is um, I mean, love him or hate him, I feel confident saying that he's, you know, an icon in that realm, for sure, in the genre. Mm-hmm. I think we've spoken up in the past about, um, you know, some, like, we've addressed the Black Christmas tweet, which is famous at this point now, about not wanting to look critically into films or not wanting to be hit over the head with political messages from films, even though that's what horror films have always only done. Right, um, yes. We've addressed that, and in that same time addressing that, we've also addressed the fact that he is an icon and has demonstrated a great capacity for critical thinking in the past as well. Yes. So an article that he wrote for Taki's Mag, which is... <laughs> Uh, It's run by a Nazi sympathizer, I would say. Uh, One of their columnists is Ann Coulter. Who Um, isn't nowadays? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's a very, uh, to call it right-leaning is probably putting it mildly. I I mean, if Ann Coulter is If Ann Coulter is writing for you, I checked it out and there's some really vile stuff on there. There's some really vile stuff on there. And, Any, like, highlights? Um, There was an article about Ellen DeGeneres, which Ellen DeGeneres is shitty. Yeah, she's proven to be a terrible person in her older age. Yeah. Doesn't have anything to do with the fact that she's a lesbian. You know what I mean? No. And it's no. like, well, 
<clears throat> according to them, like that's the thing is, is that it's, you know, a site that they'll pull the we're just against political correctness. Oh, we're not like the other girls. We're not like the other. We're cool girls. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> Joe Bob wrote a series of pieces for them. The last one was in November, I believe. And in this piece, he took to task the acronym for the LGBT community. Questioning why there are so many letters, what the letters are. Is that, that's the section that was highlighted on Twitter and called out. And the tweet in question said, the redneck horror host is a homophobe. We need to talk about it. Okay. I read his piece. That is a section of it. And here's the thing. The point of it. Now, ugh, this is where it gets so fucking murky. And this is where Twitter is not the best place to get into these things. Uh, it's not black and white. Um, but the point of all of his article was to say, like, hey, we're all people. And, you know, the this like segregating yourself segregates us all. Now, I am not saying, all I am saying is that that was the point he was trying to make. I am not casting a value on that right in this moment. I am just laying it out so we all know where it is. Yeah, Giving that, context. That's like the, the end goal when you get to the final treatise of the article. Love is love is love, essentially. Right. It, it, it's, a, it's a target snow globe. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um... Boy, it's so much to get into. It's it's a lot to get into. Let's okay. get into it. Um, I just I think that Joe Bob, a straight white man, a straight man, saying we don't need the Q in the acronym. It's like, well, it's not up to you. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's, uh, it's not cause, your place. Because he spends so much of the article like going through like. I mean, and to be fair, let's look at another person that does this that is in the community. Lady Bunny does this in her show Transgester, which, oh, I opened for her uh, when she came here to Portland. She does that. She goes through the LGBTQIA acronym. Um, and she also comes from a different place generationally than many of the social justice thinkers online. So that's also been uh, the target of some questions, <laughs> concerns, uh, and sometimes rightfully so. But Lady Bunny going through it is different versus Joe Bob going through it as someone that doesn't even have anything to do with a community. So when he says, in my opinion, like he says at one point, he even says like, either way, I say we don't need the cue. And it's like, okay, but that opinion has no value because unfortunately not all opinions matter or are equal. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, that's where I'm coming from with it is like, it's like, wh why are you providing commentary on this? Other, like, is your point actually to bring everybody together? Because you spend three quarters of the article making fun of the people that you want to bring into the fold. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's a little, you know, all lives matter-ish. It's like a white dude, a straight white dude, doesn't know what the experiences of the minority communities are are and so while it's all well and good to put out this utopian we're all the same we're all a family love is love it's not true we're not there 
you know like that's not where society is yeah and and i mean part of like the the accusations of transphobia towards joe bob i mean comes from this whole section where he gets to the t in the acronym and he's going on like so how he's writing it is supposed to be like an uh, uh an undoing of language where he's like right. trying to point a light at the failure of the language or the over-the-topness of identity language and identity markers in language. Um, so he'll say, like, I have a friend who defines herself as trans. Actually, I should say herself, not herself, but I'm not exactly sure why, who defines herself as trans, but also lesbian, therefore a biological male who presents as female and dates females and has relationships as females. So a lesbian with a penis, which if you think about it, a penis becomes basically a built-in sex toy. And it's just like he's saying, it's like trying to make this weird language Olympics game. Um, right. To point out the absurdity of it. And I, I see how that gets read as transphobic. And I think, um, I think at, the, at, at, at best it's just completely ignorant and misthought. Um, but then when it gets down to your final argument of like... Um, <sighs> Uh, defining defining part of the population as LGBTQIA is self-defeating because it separates. And he's saying you don't need LGs, Bs, or Ts, or Qs. It's like, okay, but that's to, to do that is also to ignore the reality that trans people are being murdered much more quickly than any white guy like Joe Bob Briggs. Right. It's, and that's it's why not, the T exists. <laughs> it's, not, it's not paying attention to society. Yeah, where these things do matter, where it's like, oh, you know, they're trying to pass legislation where trans people can't use the fucking bathroom and gay people can't adopt a child and gay people can't get a wedding cake. And yeah, like, can't you know adopt I mean? kids, like, can be fired without cause. <laughs> exactly. Like the fact is we are separate because society has been geared towards not like straight people and not only straight people, like like a very specific life path. Be straight get married, have children. Society does point everybody in one direction. And so to just be like, no, it's cool, we're all the same. It's like when people are like, I, I just don't see color. I don't care if you're purple. <laughs> it's like, okay, but there are no purple people. <laughs> Why do they always go to purple? They always go to purple. It's I, always, think, I, don't care I if think they black, think white, of the purple, purple people eaters. <laughs> maybe but it's like you all you're and that's the thing too is it's like where is this coming from are you there's a in the sort of free speech at all costs um i make fun of everybody because i'm a satirist there's inherently in that a kind of lack of empathy where it's like you're not trying to learn from any of these communities that you're not a part of you're just dictating how they should all act which is the same thing that, you know, the oppressors do. So even oh. if you don't strictly qualify or consider... Like, I, I, I'm not going to say he's a friend. I've met him on plenty of occasions. Um, not in a convention situation. I mean, like, Joe Bob was in my house on plenty of occasions. Mm -hmm. Is he a homophobe? Is he a racist? No. Unfortunately, he's a libertarian. <laughs> like, <laughs> Something worse. Which is like, that's the thing, is like the line sometimes is so fine. It doesn't mean he's not saying homophobic things. It doesn't mean he's not saying racist things. He got fired from a newspaper in the early 80s. Because also, if you're a quote-unquote satirist, very often they completely miss the mark. And what you purport to be satirizing, you just 
become that voice. Because uh, the tool of satire is to affect critique. Right. Um, it, there, and people get parody and satire confused. Parody is just making fun of a thing by with, in loving homage. Satire is actually trying to critique the structure of a thing by using its own terms against it. Right. But then there's the problem of what happens when satire ends up reaffirming an existing structure rather than critiquing it. Then it's no longer satire. It's just the thing itself. It's just the thing. And when you are publishing it on a platform like Taki's Mag... Um, you know, it's like when, when Trump got, uh, endorsed by David Duke and the KKK, uh, I saw a comment on a friend's page that was like, he's, Trump isn't in the KKK. Like he's not a white supremacist. He just got endorsed by them. And it's like, okay, what's the line there? Like if I were Trump, I'd say, wow. Well, first of all, I would just jump off a cliff if I were Trump. But <laughs> thank you for doing that. <laughs> for the good of humanity. Yes. Uh, but it's like, what are you saying that these people are responding positively to? So what is your message that you're putting out there that is appropriate for a platform like Taki's Mag? Like, that should give you pause. And yes. when people, defenders, are like, no, he's a satirist. He's poking fun at these things. He's like an Archie Bunker character. Oh, I get it. It's like, well, That's the difference funny. is Archie so Bunker had pushback on the show. That was the point. Archie Bunker would learn lessons sometimes in spite of himself. Mm -hmm. And everybody around him addressed his racism or his sexism, et cetera, et cetera. When you are just typing your column on a right-wing platform... Like, you're not getting any pushback. I mean, I'm trying really hard to see the satire in this article that he wrote called First Amendment 101, also for talkies, in which he says, we need to start listening to these white pride guys in the polo shirts and khaki pants, and we need to start arresting the Antifa thugs. In which he argues that because of the, the First Amendment, anyone has a right to speak, and that's why Nazi rallies, rallies need to be allowed to happen. And Antifa needs to be the ones addressed instead of the, the white supremacists. He even says that they're not, to, to label, like he goes on about labeling the alt-right white supremacy as a way of like just shutting them up and not listening to them. Right. What, here's the thing. Is that he likes to engage. He's such a staunch this is, I'm not excusing, I'm explaining, okay? And yeah. I'll get into it. Because um, you, you have some insight into where, how his mind works. Right. He is a staunch First Amendment advocate to the point where he becomes like a propagator of the Voltairean principle, right? Mm -hmm. I disapprove of what you have to say, but I will defend to the death, your right to say it. Mm -hmm. Which is Libertarian 101. Like, Which is Libertarian 101. These same points and views that Joe Bob makes, or is trying to make, have been also made on South Park by two other famous right. Libertarians that also won a Tony Award. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's where it's coming from. He's not saying that the Tiki Torch Brigade is right in their thinking. He's saying they have the right to say it. Yeah. However... The problem with all of that is you like 
Personally, I am think of Karl Popper's paradox of tolerance, right? In that to maintain a tolerant society, you must be intolerant of intolerance. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, I mean, I think is an argument for Antifa. Exactly. It's like, it's helpful to have anarchist counter-protesters. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It's also and- an act of setting an example. That's the thing. And I think he precludes, I think he precludes the idea that hate speech can also be psychological. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like hate speech isn't just killing a gay person. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but I think where he's coming from is they filled out their parade permit. You don't like what they have to say, but they have the right to say it. And that's a really, like, the the boundaries of the First Amendment are a really fucking murky area. And I am not excusing any of his articles, anything like that. I'm just saying that Twitter is a bad place to engage with all of this because there's no context. And so to just make the statement, Joe Bob Briggs is a homophobe, is really reductive and Mm -hmm. not necessarily true. Doesn't mean he doesn't say homophobic things. Doesn't mean he's not uh, thinking like a relic a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying this is a conversation that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And Twitter is not the place to do it. Well, yeah, because you can't actually critically analyze anything. And how many characters do they expand it to? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that said, like, there's also, you know, good and there's also good intentions. He might not is- expressly be a homophobe, but the things he says still inevitably reap homophobic and transphobic effects on actual queer trans people. Yes. That oh, for that. sure. And then that feel that like they don't have a place in the horror world. Right. Yeah. Because and Which then, is and why it needs that, to be addressed. Even if his thing isn't. Even if he's coming at it from, like, this First Amendment, I'm going to be like a rebel rouser raconteur, uh, then you put it on Twitter, you get a lack of critical analysis, and then you get a bunch of uh, his stands, his extremely toxic fandom, that takes mm-hmm. everything he says just directly to heart as, yeah, I don't want to watch horror movies that tell me how to think. I don't want to have to spell LGBTQ. Well, that's the thing. That's I mean, it's it's all that that uh, phenomenon of straight people being like, "What? Who cares if a character's gay? It doesn't matter." It's like there's a lack of comprehension. There's a lack of empathy. Yeah. There's a lack of understanding. While they're like, "Well, I would never hurt a gay person," but. Like yeah. they need to just they need to justify their existence in the media that I consume. Yeah, I mean it, it's the same as like how well-meaning uh, color blindness and racial discourse actually just affects segre- enacts and empowers segregation and segregational right. attitudes. Exactly. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where this goes. Um... It would be not like uh, Joe Bob did tweet yesterday. I think it was. He said that the reason why he hadn't said anything is because he's listening. But he did tell his fans to knock off the shit, um, which is nice. Yeah, that always works. That always works. Every um, every meltdown I've ever seen in the drag world <laughs> always works yeah. when 
fans are very easily quelled yeah. uh, with a simple tweet. I just, I hope he is listening. I hope there's some kind of a conversation because one thing that hasn't happened is like someone talking to him. That's, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I would hope would be like for someone to have a discussion with him and point out these things and be like, for all of your saying how inclusive you are and everything, you're excluding people by doing this. How do we rectify that? Yeah. Yeah. But instead, we just get lots of people talking around it. We get lots of people talking around it. And what I'm seeing is also now where, and it's so stupid that like, even if the issue isn't intrinsically Joe Bob himself, there it is about the language and about the, the, um, failure of his language that is breeding to- toxicity within fandom and on the internet. Um, now we have, I mean, if you're saying, I don't know where this goes, let's follow it up to the top. <laughs> Let's see where it actually right. goes. Where it's like, then there's also, now there's this clapback happening on the internet where a lot of people who stand to potentially benefit um, from uh, well-meaning intentions, from putting your best face forward that publicly can't really addressedly call out this kind of toxicity or Joe Bob's um, words in particular are now just talking around the issue instead of actually saying this is a problem. Right. Part of that has been people genuinely fearing uh, getting shut out, losing connections. Um, yeah, like, like uh, Gailey Dreadful wrote a piece that addressed that in, in one point. Yes. That yeah. talked about how, you know, they would feel more comfortable speaking out, but then they would be afraid that that would mean being blacklisted by horror media. Right. And there are some people who are just shifting the narrative. Um, for the same reasons. Like, it's still happening. There are things we're not discussing. <laughs> because we don't like where the threads lead. Yeah. Like, the Joe Bob issue is part of a very like this is a technicolor dream coat you know what i mean this is a dolly parton coat of many colors okay and joe bob is just like one of the threads in there yeah but there's a lot more going on um because joe bob is also written for rebeller Mm-hmm. Which is a web a website that is outlaw, outlaw media, outlaw media. They don't play it safe. You know what I mean? Why is it always that not playing it safe means that you're like you're just a right wing asshole? I call right? it like I sees it. <laughs> I call it like I see it. Why is calling it like you see it never like hey racists like don't murder black people it's never that like that's not like i don't care who i offend i'm gonna say what i want to say instead it's like i'm gonna say what i want to say i don't understand trans people (laughs) like it's it's always it's always just echoing the voice of the fucking majority. Are you saying? Are you saying actually being edgy is to counter the antiquated pre-existing paradigm? I'm saying that's actually being edgy. <laughs> Instead of hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's always that's the 
think anytime if I see somebody's like, we're outlaw media, I'm like, oh, you're right wing. Yeah. It never crosses my mind yeah. that they could possibly be on my side. Yeah. Oh, part of the cuck brigade, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Joe Bob writes for Rebeller. A lot of people in the community, the LGBT, etc. community, uh, have a lot of distaste for Rebeller. Rebeller is owned by Cinestate, mm-hmm. a production company. Cinestate also owns Birth Movies Death, which used to be owned by the Alamo Draft House. Yep. They also own Fangoria. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Rebeller homepage, you'll see it has the exact same layout as the Fangoria homepage. They are all one company. And so, when we are going to call out certain portions of this coat of many colors... Meaning, like, Joe Bob. Just Joe Bob expressly. Meaning expressly Joe Bob. And to say, I don't have a problem with Fangoria. I don't have a problem with Sinestate. Well, they're the ones paying Joe Bob. Yesterday, after all of this kerfluffle... After all of this kerfluffle, yesterday afternoon, Fangoria published a review by Joe Bob. Wait I didn't read it because it's behind a pay. I he I'm not. I didn't read it. It's behind a paywall. I'm sure it's fine. It's just a movie review. But there was no backlash to that because that would be backlash against Fangoria, mm-hmm. which we've been assured. That you can say whatever you want to say and speak out and state your opinions and there will be no repercussions from Fangoria. And yet no one fucking said anything. Yeah, no one has said anything. No one's pointed that out. No one's pointed that out. Um, even if Sinistate were not who they are and made the kind of movies that they make, um, I personally would still think it's hinky that a production company owns two of the largest movie websites, entities, media outlets. Uh, And and why would that be? Is that a conflict of interest, potentially? It's potentially a conflict of interest. Um, If you have a reviewer, maybe, reviewing a movie that you own, that you're paying that reviewer? (laughs) Exactly. Um... So, but don't, uh, you follow the money. What is your money going to, right? Sinestate is also in the news because of Adam Donaghy, mm-hmm. a producer who was just arrested for raping a 16-year-old yeah, on the set of an A24 movie. Of a ghost story. A ghost story. Um, but he's been with Sinestate. Sinestate... Well, that's not true. Sinist- I was going to say Sinistate cut ties with him. That's not true. He resigned, and then Sinistate put out a statement saying, like, oh, he's no longer with us effective immediately. Like, a real big, tough statement. There's a giant thread on Reddit about this where people have been anonymously posting, oh, Sinistate knew about this for years. Yeah, he's worked for them for a long time. He's worked for them for a long time. Uh, this, he's basically a young Harvey Weinstein. And like Harvey Weinstein, it was known and it was tolerated because he was the money man. Yeah. 
because we allow these things to continue to happen in the background because we put them in the background. Exactly. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing is talking about these things, right? It's one thing to put out on Twitter, Joe Bob's a homophobe, and then it turns into, I don't know, who can yell the loudest? And we're not actually talking about these systemic issues that are obviously in film, but even more concentrated in horror. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that it's something that people don't confront until it actually affects their public image. Right. So like with Sinistate, you know, it even came out and it came out in that thread that Donaghy, like there was audio of him, just much like Trump saying, <laughs> grab a, grab the pussies. There was audio of Donaghy admitting what he had done that got to the studio head or one of the execs there. Yeah. And then she continued to hire him mm-hmm. until they had to publicly. Yeah, for three years until they had to publicly distance themselves because it made it public. Until he resigned, mm-hmm. and then they distanced themselves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they didn't even shit can him, right? Here's a quote that I got from someone on the Reddit. Now, here's the. this is when it bothers me, is when people are so upset about this Joe Bob thing, about uh, an article or a joke or whatever, which, sure, like, let's talk about that. Absolutely. But to then say, well, I care about that, but I don't care about Sinistate, is like... Well, how fucking far do your purity politics go? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to be uncomfortable to talk about these things? Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing is like, I think it's, I think it's absolutely valid to be, uh, to think Joe Bob is a homophobe, a transphobe, to be upset with what he said. I am. Um, But I think that doesn't exclude the larger conversation that we're trying to speak to here that it's not just joe bob right there is a it's lot not just joe bob and there is a lot what comes down to all of it is money it all come it always comes i mean everything comes down to money almost always <laughs> like yeah. you know yeah um, it comes down to money and to, how do you look on the internet to willfully say well, I have a problem with this one website, but not this other website. When they're both owned by the same company, mm-hmm. the same company is paying the bills and reaping the rewards, right? Yeah. Who's getting the money from all of this? Because here's a nice state of, if you don't know about Sinistate, someone on Reddit. Fuck Sinistate. They're basically a right-wing pandering conservative propaganda factory that underpay their employees and completely disregard their safety. And they have no problem working with sexual harassers as long as it doesn't affect their public image. That's what from someone who has recordings and worked with them for a long time and brought these complaints hmm. to someone in a position of power who then did nothing. Hmm. Right. So to say I'm upset about Joe Bob and not be upset at the company that's paying Joe Bob because they're also paying Fangoria and you want to be published on Fangoria. Mm hmm. <laughs> like and honestly, it comes down to an issue of putting your money where your mouth is, too. Like, well, yeah, if, if this is about I mean, at its heart, this is about money and about public image. Then there's also that issue of like, well, do you actually care to use that money to do good? 
So when I see, and we have, we, I mean, let's also put this out there. We have friends associated with Fangoria. And when, when I see queer people uh, working there or being paid by them, I can't help but wonder if they're not being valued as much as some other people on the payroll, like Joe Bob Briggs, mm-hmm. where it's like, there's now the Boulay Brothers podcast, which is happening over there, which I love the Boulay Brothers. I have done their show in person. I have performed at it. I love them very much. Um, and I'm excited they have a podcast happening there. But then I wonder, are they going to have their backs? Right. When they're more, it seems like some people are more concerned with Joe Bob's back and talking around the issue than actually speaking up for the people that you're employing. And to me, that brings up a question of exploitation. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe Bob is the big moneymaker. Yeah. Make no mistake. If Joe Bob, like people are like, Joe Bob fans are like, Shudder, you better not can't, like you better not cancel Joe Bob. They would never do that because Shudder would go under. Yeah. And because okay. Elvira's too expensive. Elvira's too expensive. <laughs> you know, he's the big moneymaker. So they're never going to get rid of him. So it's like, how do these things coexist? Can they coexist? Like, for example, the Women with Guts symposium was supposed to happen in May, uh, like last weekend or something, uh, at Salem, in Salem, Massachusetts, yeah, right? In, the fir- in it was going to be the first ever. Below, before times. In parallel universe before times, it was supposed to happen in Salem, the first event of its kind. Yeah. That's wonderful. Then the plague descended upon all of us. It got pushed, and now it has been melded in with the regular Salem Horror Fest in October, which I say, oh, good luck, October. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll still be in my house, sequestered. <laughs> yeah, maybe for the next two years. Right. We'll see. But, so Women With Guts has been integrated to the regular programming. Okay, not ideal. Um, Joe Bob is going to be there. He's like the linchpin of the festival. Yeah. Bringing his How Rednecks Saved Hollywood lecture to Salem. So, <laughs> Joe Bob, like, potentially being scheduled against, oh, I don't know, let's say my lecture about annabelle wait a gay woman talking about a doll that sits there and does nothing (laughs) don't stop you're making it sound so enticing (laughs) but honestly as an argument for um as a feminist queer argument for intersectionality and agency right exactly like the opposite of what we're saying joe bob stands for the opposite the audience targets etc etc it's like how do those two things do they coexist are they both supported and are they given supported are they actually given active space to support and here's another thing anyone that knows anything about intersectionality or knows how equity works it's not about equality It's not about both giving each other space. Some people are going to need more support. And that's what equity is, is giving people with less support more support. That's why it's called feminism and not humanism. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about simply making everyone equal. It's about, hey, we have to lift women up. Yeah, it's about seeing where there are, where there are, um, 
threats to equality, where equality is insurmountable, and how to counteract that. Right, exactly. So I would think that potentially, if you're going to give this this talk on Annabelle, I feel like someone could look at that description, someone that has read the words that Joe Bob says and has not taken... Um, a critical eye to what is actually functioning in his text or what he's trying to say or someone who's not being very generous with someone it. who isn't being very generous <laughs> and to be honest someone that also doesn't know hasn't known him personally that right. doesn't know where he's coming from and why he would say this kind of thing which you can testify to personally but other people can't right yeah so like to take that and to put that against something like yours i feel like that is setting you up not to right. use you as an example, but I feel like that is setting up that kind of work. And I feel like that's setting up a kind of audience um, discrepancy that creates, I wouldn't say unsafety, but I would say I don't think it's the same level of support. And I don't think it's creating the same kind of space where that work can be properly accessed. Right. And protected. When you... When the work is not shy about the fact that it's about queerness and feminism yeah like those i don't shy away from those words they're in the description and so you know is someone who has been dog whistled by the things joe bob says like does it create a hostile environment exactly because that's the problem is like whatever his intent is it's published on talkies mag you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you're dog whistling to the people who don't get the finer points of it and you're just saying homophobic transphobic shit yeah at at its core that's what's functioning ironic racism is still racism right like you know and comedy and satire etc like comedy is an evolving malleable form right it's funny like what's funny changes over time in the 20s, it'd be like, Oi, darling, 23 skidoo! And everybody would be rolling in the aisles with laughter. <laughs> and now we're like, what the fuck? Or you watch some comedy from the 50s and it seems so square or whatever, yeah. right? Like, that brand of, like, maverick, I'm just gonna say what I think, and I'm gonna be, you know, ironically racist. Like, it's not... It doesn't fly anymore. You know? Yep. And there are young people doing it, too. There are young mavericks out there, you know, who play on that edge. And I don't care who I offend. Yeah, but, it just, but they grew up with basement families. <laughs> so do they matter? It's, it's just interesting to me that it's like the I don't care who I offend crowd always seems to offend, offend minorities. Yeah. Right? Like, why is that the pattern? Yeah. Well, it's ultimately, it's I I don't care that I offend. And what it ultimately reduces to is I don't care. Right. Because you have nothing at stake, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And there are going to be people in the horror community who, like horror fans, who are going to, who have no limits. You know, they'll be like, I'll, any, any movie Victor Salva makes, I'll watch it. Because they just don't care. Yeah. Rose, I mean, Rose McGowan came out when Rose McGowan was forefront of Me Too. She was she was jumping on and 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 going on Twitter, uh, coming at every single filmmaker and person that anyone had ever mentioned 
in conversation with um, their own personal mm-hmm. accusations. But then when people asked her about doing a Victor Salva film r- in recent time, like within the 2000s, mm-hmm. much like after he had been arrested for, I don't know, molesting a child on set or during the filming of a film, creation of a film, she said, oh, that's not my issue to talk about. He did his time. Yeah. Lynn Shay told a child abuse survivor who had a problem with Jeepers Creepers 3 coming out. She said, get over it. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. I love Lynn Shay. I also love Rose McGowan. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, but where are their limits? Yeah. <laughs> you know? There, I don't know that there's any one answer. It's This all needs to be brought to light. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've... there's a lot of people... There's a this this isn't just Joe Bob. This isn't just Fangoria. This isn't just um, Cinestate. This isn't just Rebeller. This isn't just Talking. This isn't just Shutter. I mean, Shutter shows Last Drive-In, which now there's right. Uh, well, discourse once again is a strong word, but now there's people talking about Lloyd Kaufman being on the most recent episode, which I admittedly did not see, but there's conversations about. Um, you know, Lloyd Kaufman saying he thought AIDS was pretty hilarious back when he filmed Trauma's War, which they screened. Um, but this is, this is, this is in part about all of these entities and about who is benefiting from these and ultimately where is this money going and where is this money not going? Who, what queer people that actually could use support are not being supported on the same level, um, uh, of just turning, turning a cheek and letting this thing kind of happen. But then also like, what does this show about horror fandom, that is supporting this, that is buying into this, and what is at play underneath. Mm-hmm. This is structural. It's it's not just reduced to these individual instances. No. However, there are individual instances that really do need to be addressed, which is why we're talking about them. And honestly, people need to be fucking accountable. <laughs> right. Like, it's just about having courage, speaking out, saying what is wrong, critiquing a structure, and then changing shit. And right now, I mean, it might be said, I'm experiencing, like, career suicide ideation (laughs) um, because I'm (laughs) rethinking all of the structures that I've played into. I'm rethinking my time in the art world and how that kind of, you know, I was worked to the fucking bone and that became sort of an abusive relationship of its own. Um, My relationship to my work and how I worked with presenters and funders and, and writing grants and stuff all the time until I was ragged. But, like, I'm rethinking that kind of structure right now because right now we're in a turning point where we can see what structures were harming us, what structures were not at heart working because we're in this moment of pause and reset. And that affords us time to actually begin to rethink how to create new structures and how to to challenge the things that didn't work for us and that got us to this point of literal economic and capitalist collapse that we're living through right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think, honestly, this is this could be also, instead of just talking around the issue, this is the moment to really put a microscope or a magnifying glass to these issues and to actually see what we need to change, because now is the time to change it. Now is the time to change it. Um, you know, speaking out, uh, saying something, taking a stand, turning something down etc is not easy um it's real easy to uh to go off on twitter right 
It's easy. It's easy to be pithy. It's easy to bloviate. It's easy to bloviate on a podcast. Yep. Uh, but actually doing the right thing and saying something and, I mean, to sound fucking corny, but speaking truth to power, right? It might put you at risk. Like, you might get kicked out of the cool kids club. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you care about that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, you might have to do it yourself. You might not get that byline that you always wanted. And I'm not saying because the place where you wanted a byline turned you down. I'm saying because you might say, you know what? I don't want to write for you. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking easy. Because it's ethics are loop- a bitch. Ethics are a fucking bitch. And if you want to go there, you got to go there. Right? Yep. yep. <laughs> We're all a slave to the dollar. And doing it DIY style uh, is not easy either. It's like everyone's, oh, but what about, like, are we sure that Fangoria is okay? Are we sure that Fangoria isn't offended by any of this? Motherfuckers, Rue Morgue is right there. Yep. Rue Morgue is independent media. They're not fucking owned by Cinestate, okay? (laughs) Yep. Like, there are alternatives. There's a copy shop down the fucking street. Get a stapler, like not to get. <laughs> now too she's fucking calling ri- it like she sees it. <laughs> now, oh, I feel my riot girl powers activate. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, what are your values? What do you value? Do you care? Yeah. Are is what you're putting out in the world activism, actual activism, or is it cronyism? Do you is have the cronyism? courage of your convictions? Are you an activist or are you an armchair activist? Like, are you a, are you, you know what I mean? Like, are you going to actually maybe take a hit, maybe suffer some repercussions? Or are you just going to center yourself in the conversation and spend some time trying to think up a cool hashtag? Exactly. And now that we're coming on 51 years after Stonewall this summer, um, would, would Mama Jean and Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera just fucking sit there and take it? Or would they pick up a brick and throw it through that window? Exactly. Would they pick up a brick or would they say, but what if I want to work for the police one day? Yeah. What if I want to, what if I, I really, you know, my job at Christopher Street is in danger. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's easy to say, I'm, you know. And granted, we're sitting here on a podcast, but I, you know, I think we've both certainly been outspoken enough and have definitely, uh, I don't know. There's been light repercussions. I'll sit, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Oh, we, I mean, we're not going to go into it right now, but we've absolutely experienced that. Yeah. From the community that we're a part of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we're still fucking doing it. We're still Because this is it. what we care about, because... Because this is this is uh, extensions of our art. This is our community. These you are the people we care about, um, and this is a genre we love. And it doesn't belong to anybody, except no. well, honestly, except queer people. <laughs> right. It's yeah. horror is a queer art form. It's not. It's not any. No company. No media conglomerate. None of that fucking owns this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is only one perfect human. On the planet, as we know. I think I know who that might be. 
It's Adele Nell. Yep. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> she got her old... Gaylord's royalties for the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's the only one. The rest of us, the rest of God's creatures, you know, we're all trying, I would hope, to do our best. That's the thing. We're all fucking messy. We're all messy as shit. Nobody's... What do you always say, Stacy? Pobody's nerfect. Thank you very much. Pobody's nerfect. We're all trying. We're going to screw up. There's no perfect ally. There's no perfect gay person. We're all going to say things uh, that we don't exactly mean or are taken out of context or just say the wrong thing. Like, hopefully yeah. we're all on a path of evolution. Right. Yeah, we make mistakes and then ideally we learn from them. Right. And that's a process that we do together. Exactly. Conversations and, are important. And and especially right now, now right now is a terrifying time. I mean, granted, it's been terrifying for years, but um, if not all of human history. But right now, I mean, I mean, obviously we were already in a horrible place. We're already hungry, tired, alone entities trapped on a rock hurtling through space at a billion miles an hour. That's utterly horrifying. Okay, but now, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> but now, now we're all on top of that. Now we're all living through a fucking pandemic. Right. And, but I mean, to that end, like this is, like I was saying, this could be a moment to rethink all of it. Yeah. And, and it's still, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Like, I'm thinking about how, like, this question of ethical consumption. Yeah. Like, I'm not perfect by any means. I've still made Amazon purchases, and I'm still talking shit about Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. I still eat meat, uh, even though I know ethically I should not, and I see what's happening to animals in these mass um, farms that are now just being euthanized because there's no product or no market to take the product to. The product being living one's living tissue of another creature. But it's easier for me. So I've been, I still do that. I'm not perfect by any means. Right. But I'm trying to make allowances where I can. And I guess, I mean, that's the work is, is trying to be accountable and trying to actually do the right thing versus doing what is just easy. Right. Come through Mother Suspiriorum. <laughs> yeah, just blow up everybody's heads, please. Yeah. Like, honestly, honestly, like, that's just the thing It's like. You know, hashtag activism is fucking bullshit. If you're not going to, like, stand up for what you're saying, when push comes to shove, if you're not going to take a stand and maybe suffer some blowback, then all your talk, all your activism talk and everything, it's all fucking bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just cronyism. It's just cronyism. And there's nothing innately queer about that. Uh, no. Queerness is adversity. It's opposition. It's difference. Yeah. Queer is punk. Yes. And punk is not being like the punk in the movie Contracted who tattooed punk on her fingers. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing less punk than tattooing punk on your fingers. Okay. It's like when I went to, um, I saw RuPaul give a lecture at Reed and some, uh, uh, what this great little, um, 
gender they kid stands up and says, uh, will you ever feature drag kings or gender fuckers or just gender weirdos on Drag Race? And RuPaul said, no, it's up to you to make that show. Drag Race is about men putting on dresses because the most punk rock thing you can do is put a man in a dress. And I think, mm, any trans person living today would know there are much more punk rock things. And also, RuPaul, you live on a ranch with your husband where you sell your land to fracking. You don't get to say what punk rock is. Yeah, fracking is very punk rock. Fracking is so punk rock. But that's the thing. That's that's mainstream queerness, which isn't even queer. That's that's right. That's the difference between true queerness, true being queer fucking punk, is divine yes. is who wants to die for art is eat shit kill everyone now <laughs> yeah. that's queer not going on vh1 to sell your fucking peanut butter candy bar and then reaping the benefits of destroying the goddamn planet and exploiting your subculture your own fucking people by turning it into a barbie fashion show for straight people mm-hmm. that's the difference but is it a snow globe at target it's not god damn it i want that snow globe (laughs) that's the thing is like you know it's it's it seems like are you willing to sacrifice your snow globe are you willing to sacrifice your snow globe uh do you want to be there's a large portion of the lgbt community that are very and in the horror realm that are very vocal that want to be assimilated they want to i don't understand how the borg work but it's something like that like they just they want to pass they want that sort of capitalist uh ideal right Mm -hmm. and the best way to get that is to be pleasing to straight folk Mm-hmm. We've talked about this plenty of times on this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, folks, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was after our live show in December, when Amy Steele came to the two of us <laughs> with a door hanger. And she said, hey, do you guys want these? You guys like Mayor Pete, right? <laughs> and we both just looked at each other. We both just went, no. (laughs) And Amy Steele just goes, oh my God, what did he do? What did he do? (laughs) Yeah, because Amy Steele is a fucking boss. And so like, she talked to us about it. Like, but I mean, well, you know, he's a little actually conservative. And also there's that time he took the pictures with the Salvation Army, which is notoriously (laughs) anti-gay. Yeah, that was hard. Okay, that's called putting your values on the line. After we spent a night of, of I don't know, um, of sheer passion <laughs> with one of our all-time icons. Yeah. And we still said, oh, it sucks <laughs> to say the same me, but we disagree. Yeah. And... That was a great conversation. It was a great conversation. And we were still chill after that. And we still email. Yeah. So. <sighs> I don't know. What a time. All I'm saying is that Room Morgue is right fucking there. Uh, support independent media. Support the independent horror websites. Support the independent horror everything. Room Morgue is again giving away a free digital issue with the Candyman cover. You can Um, get that for free online right now. You can get it for free online right now. Consider a subscription. Room Org has been extremely supportive of me over the years. 
Uh, and full but, disclosure, you are writing for that. And yeah, well, I was going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing your full disclosure for you. I'm oh, sorry. thank you. <laughs> I wasn't going to not say that. Listen, I calls it like I think it. <laughs> uh, no, and you know they've mentioned gay lords before. Uh, they mentioned Final. They were one of the early supporters of Final Girl way back when. When Final Girl was just starting, they mentioned me and like a I don't know a sidebar or something and then I would go on to write for them and I've written for them for a long time took a break I'm writing for them again I would love to continue writing for them I would love for them to continue to exist I know times are tough right now but if you are thinking about where to spend your dollars if you have extra dollars to spend consider a room morgue subscription yeah absolutely thank you yeah and I, I think all that to say too um that to, that's to stress the point once again it's not because you're in there it's not because they featured gay lords it's because it is independent it's independent it's because there is not a political or um financial source operating at the top making the decisions exactly that is that is then affecting the pol- the political lives and the lived lives of the people that support it right Cinestate, like, funded a movie for Mel Gibson. Yeah, people are still putting Mel Gibson in movies. Jodie fucking Foster did that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, why would... And, and I mean, Cinestate, that's their brand, is, like, these aggro dude uh, rage picks, picks basically. Mm-hmm. They own fucking Rebeller, which is, like, pop culture, edgy outlaw media. I mean, it's not Breitbart, but... Right. There's spectrums in this world, people. And I'll tell you which end that's on. It's a coat of many colors. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know that there's a solution that is, there's no, like I said, it's not black and white. It's not, now everything's fixed. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing conversation. There are still gatekeepers in place. Structurally, things need to change. That takes time. That is also incredibly painful. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's it is it's growing pains. It's growing pains. It hurts. And it and hurts. Growing up and and looking back at your heroes, looking back at things that you used to love or even jokes you used to make, it can be sure. hard. It can be hard it, to be like, oh, I actually need to shift how I'm living my life because maybe this might affect other people. And the point about that I would like to make is that the left is awfully fond of instructing the right to learn and to grow and to educate themselves. And I would say the fact is that's good for both sides as well. I am not saying you need to learn to be more sympathetic to the Tiki Torch Brigade. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> that's your talkie article. <laughs> yeah, that's my talkie article. No, what I'm saying is think about where your dollars are going. Think about where your energy is going. Think about what you are fighting for and fight for, like, stand up for things. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say you're gonna stand up, then stand up. What'd she say, Doctor Lecter? Doctor Lecter. What, what happens if you turn that? finger back at yourself <laughs> or whatever she says after he breaks her down with the rube monologue <laughs> well, very, very good doctor and i always think that oh, every time i'm convinced that clary starling wears jean nate after bath splash when in fact she wears l'air du temps 
But in my mind, it's become Jean Nate after Bath Splash, and I kind of like it better that way. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> can you, yeah, can you turn that mind on yourself? And he's like, yeah, oh, that's I, it. I see through you. That's when she tries to hand him the survey. God, that's a good movie. It's such a good movie. Also problematic, and we can talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like... Because we are capable of critical analysis. Critical Not just us. All human beings are capable of it. Exactly. Um, I guess the thing that I really want to just bring home, for me personally, as someone that uh, supports a lot of queer youth, I mean, I try to, um, to the point that I I myself made it on the fucking front page of Breitbart um, because I was doing drag queen story times. I, if you look, if you Google my name, you will find countless Google search or results that call me a pedophile and a child abuser, and then have pictures of me and kids playing with me during a drag queen story time, because how dare you put a a queer person next to a child? Because obviously there's no overlap between the two. Obviously there's no such thing as a queer child. Um, (laughs) uh, I, one experience that has impacted me so strongly that I will never fucking forget that is really the charge in why I do everything I do, why I run the queer horror film series, why um, I'm, I love getting to do gay lords and why I love reaching out and working with our listeners is like, there was this time we were at a convention, we were at Seattle Crypticon, um, the horror convention that we love up here. And we had our queer horror booth. It was one of the first years that we did it. And we have a big vinyl sign that says queer horror, huge letters. And we always put it up right at the top. So it's just a a beacon. And this little teenager comes up to us and just stands in front of the booth for a really long time, a really long time, just is staring at us and staring at the sign says nothing. And I'm like getting kind of nervous. And then the kid comes up after a long time and just says hi um my name is and then they kind of stop themselves and they're like well i'm figuring out a new name for myself um i'm trans and i'm 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 she and uh i just wanted to tell you that i don't feel welcome here all the time and seeing your sign and seeing your booth for the first time makes me feel welcome being here and like I have a place here. And I had to leave and cry after that (laughs) happened. And this isn't trying to pat me on the back or any of that shit. Like this, that was seeing that moment where someone actually, it's like that thing we talked about a couple episodes ago of when we actually see ourselves represented and how dizzying that can be. Mm-hmm. And how disgusting it is that we live in a world where to see ourselves can feel like a slap of shock because we're not provided that anywhere. To see that kid get to go through that was it it just it just became the all the fuel under me of why we need to be doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone, that is has any power or platform in the horror community slash in the queer horror community needs to keep instances like that in mind that like the well-being and the sanity and the health of those kids is exactly the thing that's at stake Mm -hmm. and that money 
is all secondary. Money, popularity, your image, it's all secondary to the people that are going to come after that. And those are the people that are going to remember who looked out for them and who got them to, to be comfortable in their skin. So Once you re- reach a certain level in your life where you kind of get your shit together as a queer person, as a gay, it's like, like it or not, you become a gay elder, right? No matter how old you yes. are. Well, because also we don't have kids. We I mean, a, a lot of us do, and I have questions about that. Yeah, but uh, like, lesbian, lesbians stop having babies, my God. But like we are, are el- that we create intentional chosen families. Yes. We have a we have generations and we have descendancy and we have lineage. It's not biological. And I think that makes it stronger. Yeah. And it's, you know, like it or not, it's your responsibility <laughs> to, like, it is. to look out for each other in real ways in not just centering yourself but actually helping other people and doing things that are going to help other people that also benefit you you know you can and it can happen incidentally when you put up that queer horror sign you didn't know it was going to be a beacon necessarily you know, Mm-mm. there are things I have done on Final Girl that I didn't realize that I was putting out into the world that people were picking up. Mm-hmm. You can do it just by the virtue of doing good, honest work and putting it out there with your actual voice. Just by putting two fucking words out there. Just putting two words out there. Like, it that doesn't can take shift, much. That can shift the course of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And especially, especially when we're talking about trans kids and gay kids that are killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea that we would even, for a second, take that out of our minds because we're worried about how we look. Mm-hmm. And what we can get instead of who's looking out for them. Nobody. Right. It's our job. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have anybody like that. I didn't have any gay elders. No, you know? and also, I mean, we lost <laughs> we lost entire generations of them. Yeah. In a time very similar to what we're living through right now. Mm-hmm. That's why gay people are so good at staying at home, because we've been through this before. <laughs> yeah. We have an entire missing generation, an entire, we grew up without elders that could have taught us things. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? Now we're all falling apart in the same fucking trap that Trump put everybody else in. Yeah. We're all fighting with each other. Yeah. So if you want to look out for the community, if you're going to put yourself out there as a voice, choose your words. <laughs> like, you know, it's been a real week, huh? It's been a real fucking week. <laughs> <laughs> like, originally... When we started this episode, it was like, we'll talk about this stuff, and then we're going to talk about the movie and do our regular Gaylords thing. Yeah. It doesn't feel right to shift from an hour-plus conversation about really important things. To, to get e- twink. <laughs> to get emotional, and then shift to Brahms the boy, too. <laughs> 
Because first of all, the people out there who just want to hear about Brahms, like maybe they didn't want to sit through an hour of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's a little, it just doesn't jive with everything we've said or the tone that we've set. So I think we're going to just make this an independent episode and then have another episode that'll be the usual fucking bullshit where we talk about Brahms. That's great. That's right. Great. Yeah, let's do it. So let's do it. Um, we're on all the social medias. If you want to yell at us, whatever, we're always left out of the conversation. Like, I don't know what it is, but we are always left out of the conversations. Well, it doesn't help that we're just so faggy and disagreeable. That's true. You got <laughs> the angry feminist lesbian and the angry feminist fag. These, the gorgons screaming in the parking lot all hours we're- of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, it's just, um, I don't know, we're not cool. Yeah, but we are out there. If you don't know, we're on Instagram at Gaylords of Darkness. We're on Facebook at Gaylords of Darkness. We're on Twitter at Gaylords of D. We have an email, Gaylords at Gaylords of Um We have an email. <laughs> Did I say that? We do have an email. <laughs> we do, you're right. <laughs> not everybody has an email, surely. No. Um, we don't have an OnlyFans, so don't get Yet. excited. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> you know what? As this plague uh, goes on. People are going to have to make money, and that's the only industry that's booming. Oh, God. Um, um, oh, my God. So, there you go. It's been a week. It's been an it, episode. It's, it's been a week. It's been an episode. This is an ongoing thing. It's not like, you know, this is the end of it. Um, I think it's safe to say we're not going to talk about the shitty movie we were going to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, bye. (laughs) Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! god. Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.